0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all, and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening to this podcast on the Believe Network. Wow, can you believe the first week of the U.S. Open that we've had? Now, I always do this at every Grand Slam. If you follow this podcast, you know I do this. So you think this might be coming out late. But I always wait until the quarterfinals to release a pod just so we get into the last three rounds and I can recap from there. But so much happened in this tournament of the U.S. Open that I really could have done a podcast every single day. Now, would have been a lot of work, would have been... A lot of me talking about random things and I thought, you know what, let's just do it all in the middle of the week like we usually do. And so we are going to recap the first four rounds of the U.S. Open, moving into the quarters and really the biggest storylines of the U.S. Open going on in New York City right now. So I'm going to start on the women's side. I'm going to start with Serena Williams because you can't talk about the U.S. Open this year without talking about Serena. Now, Serena has had one of the best careers in any sport, especially in tennis, Uh, 23 grand slams, one shy of Margaret Court, but many consider Serena the best of all time, the greatest of all time, the GOAT, and I do as well. I think I've talked about this in past podcasts, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but what Serena's done for the sport, the culture, and really sports in general has really paved a way for a lot of women, has paved a way for a lot of African-American women and African-Americans in general, and it's just been great to see what she's done for the sport. Now, I, they've talked about it on ESPN throughout the entire week on her influence on sports and everything, and there's so many tributes out there, and you can just look at any of those, and it's all true. Serena Williams, on the court, off the court, has been great for the sport of tennis. Her and Venus, really, you can pair those two together because they've been paired together their entire career, but those two an outstanding ambassadors for the game. Let's get into Serena's play a little bit. Now, moving into the U.S. Open, there were some concerns surrounding her movement. Now, when she played in Toronto and she played in Cincinnati, she didn't have the greatest movement on the court, and I think a lot of people were concerned about that moving into this tournament. But her movement is what impressed most people about her game at the U.S. Open. I thought her movement was outstanding. I thought she moved much better here at the U.S. Open. Now, I don't know if that was because... It was her last go around and she was trying to give it at all and do everything, but she moved very well on the court and she looked like vintage Serena quite a bit. Her big serve, she had that going for her, her, her powerful forehand, backhand, she had everything like that going for. Her. And there were a few times in the tournament where, you know, commentators and even me were like, man, she could really make a huge run at this tournament. In the first round, she plays Covenage. uh A lot went into this match and. I kind of felt bad for her opponent a little bit because the the whole ordeal of her, it, it bring her last grand slam and the U S open did it big as they do because it's New York and they do things big there. But uh, Serena Williams goes on to win this one, six, three, six, three. She kind of zoomed past it. And everyone kind of after that match was like, man, she can really do this. But there was a lot of talk about her second round match against Annette Kontovitz. So Annette Kontovitz is the two seed in this tournament. And, This one actually goes three sets, and I think this is when people started to believe a little bit that maybe Serena can make a run at this because this one goes over, no, just under two and a half hours, and it's a three-set match that Serena grinds out for the win, and after that match, I think people started to think she could really make a run at this thing, as did I because of how she played in the first two matches, and she played outstanding. Moving into the last match, the one she loses in the third round against Isla Tamjanovich, she goes three sets in that one as well. That is another over three-hour match for Serena, and she loses 6-1 in the third, and it seems like her tennis career, competitive tennis career, is over. Now, whether she ran out of gas, whatever it was, you got to remember Serena's 40. Like, a 40-year-old to be playing those types of matches incredible. I mean, Rafa's not even 40. He's 36, so you can't say, well, Rafa does it. Roger kind of does it, but he hasn't played in a long time. So, for Serena to do that at age 40 is incredible, and play a doubles match in there somewhere. So, her and Venus played doubles together. They were the first first round doubles match to ever play on Arthur Ashe Stadium, I believe that was the stat, and they lose in the first round, but it was kind of nostalgia just watching those two go at it again on the double score. and really cool for Serena and Venus to team up for one last time. And after her last match, Serena said, you know, there is no Serena without Venus. And she thanked her family a lot. And after that match, I thought it was really well done. Um, Tom Leonovich Played great, but also handled everything great. Uh, after the match, she let Serena have her moment, which you'd only hope to do in that in that instance. You only hope the opponent respects it enough. And you could tell all week that her opponents knew exactly what they were getting into. And I think all three of them handled it really well. Serena just did play well. It's not like they lost because they just crumbled under pressure. All three of her opponents, I thought, played well. They just, you know, Serena Serena flat out beat the first two of them. So, Serena Williams, thank you for everything you've done for the game. Thank you for everything you've done for sport. It's uh, been a pleasure watching you. And I look forward to whatever she does next and kind of where the game goes from here and kind of who takes on that role from Serena. Now, it could be Coco Gauff, which I kind of expect it to be. Um, Coco Gauff is my pick to win this. She's into the quarters. Uh, Tamjanovic is in the corners. And, you know, Pagula Schwiatek is going to be a good match, I think, in the quarters at the very top of the women's singles bracket now let's move over to the men's now a lot happened on the men's side and before i get too into it and into who's in the quarterfinals i want to talk about some americans in this tournament because there were some outstanding american tennis players that played some great matches and played great tennis in this tournament i'm gonna tell you first off which one did and which one didn't uh who did is the qualifier who is Brandon Holt. That is Tracy Austin's son. He played a great tournament. He qualifies to get into the U.S. Open, and first round, he draws the 10 seed, which is Taylor Fritz. Now, these two, I guess, have history. They grew up together in Southern California. Their moms, I guess, played each other pro, and you'd expect Fritz to kind of get going, and I thought for sure this was going to be a, Fr- a Fritz tournament just because of the draw he had and who he had moving forward, and... Uh, Brandon Holt beats him in four sets. The qualifier beats the 10-seed Taylor Fritz in four sets. So that kind of went out the window of, oh, my gosh, I think Americans are going to have a great tournament. Now, Brandon Holt is American, but he's not the American that I expected to have a great tournament. He loses in the second round. So, like, there's no Americans coming out really that side anymore. So I was like, well, who else is an American that I previously mentioned? Well, I previously mentioned Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul actually – goes on to win his first round match, beat Sebastian Cord in his second round match and then loses in five sets to Casper Ruud in his third round match. So, Tommy Paul, great tournament. I was a, I was a fan of how he did, so uh I jumped on board with that. Uh Sam Query, he retired, he lost in the first round to um uh, Ivashka, so he he was done. And so, my Americans, I'm like, where are my Americans going to come from? I had no doubt in Tommy Paul, I had no doubt in J.J. Wolf. J.J. Wolf is the first big upset of the tournament. He beats Roberto Batista Agut six four six four six four. His first top twenty win of his career. Man, J.J. Wolf had a tournament. He was a lot of fun to watch in this tournament. And I know I'm kind of homering right now towards the Americans, but we've been waiting for you know some Americans to make some really big moves in this tournament. For a while now, J.J. Wolf goes out, beats a top-20 player, comes in, wins his second-round match, goes in and faces Kyrgios, who I think is playing the best tennis of his career and playing top-five tennis in the world right now, if not top-three, loses in straight sets. But I'm going to call that a win for J.J. Wolf, making it to the third round and facing Kyrgios. For sure, that's a win. Now, the other American that's playing really good tennis is Francis Diafo. He makes it all the way to round four where he faces Rafael Nadal, which I'll get to that match here in a little bit. But I'm still going to talk about these Americans and how happy I am, how good these Americans played. For the first time in a long time, there's a core group, I think, of Americans that are you know, making a big push to be successful. And I think a lot of these guys are finally getting to the age where they're starting to see results of their hard work pay off. Sebastian Quarter might be a little bit away from that, but I still see it in his future. So I'm really optimistic about where American tennis is and where it's going with some of these youngsters at the head of it, you have Tommy Paul, Sebastian Corda, J.J. Wolfe, uh, Taylor Fritz, Riley Opelka, Francis Tiafo, all those guys. I'm very confident in those guys moving forward in American Tennis, and I thought they showed up and showed out at their home tournament. Now, some players who didn't show up really at this tournament at all is Stefano Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas loses in the first round. He's a four seed. Loses in the first round to Gollin, and Gollin goes on to win another match against Jordan Thompson and lose in the third round, but... Disappointing tournament, I think, for Sitsipas. This was one that I thought he would have a real run at and just really struggled and didn't really do much, to be honest. Who did show up at this tournament? Andy Murray. Andy Murray wins his first against Serendolo. The 24 seed straight sets in first round, makes it all the way to third round, loses to Matteo Berrettini, who is playing good tennis right now. But Andy Murray, it was really good to see him kind of get back to the form that a lot of people know he can get back to. He's never going to... I don't think he's ever going to be the Andy Murray he once was, but... He's getting back to an Andy Murray that is playing really, really good tennis. Uh, Ivashka beats Hubi Hercoc, the eighth seed, in the second round. He beats Query, then he beats Hercoc, and then he goes on to beat Lorenzo Musetti, and then he goes on to play Yannick Sinner in the fourth round to get into the quarters, which I told you I'll talk about the bottom side of the bracket here in a little bit. Let's go to the top side, though. Let's start going down the list of some of these quarterfinals. Now, Nick Kyrgios plays incredible incredible tennis on his way to the quarterfinal. He goes – he beats, you know, his good friend, his best friend, his doubles partner, uh, Kokonakis, in the first round, goes on to beat Bonzi, and then goes on to beat J.J. Wolf on his way into a fourth round with Daniil Medvedev. Now, Daniil Medvedev walked until the fourth round, and then these two had to play, and these two played in the fourth round, and I think a lot of people thought this should have been the final. I thought this should have been the final, to be honest with you. I think since, you know, Nick Kyrgios didn't get his points for playing – and Nick Kyrgios didn't get his points for playing at Wimbledon and making it to the final, so he gets ranked 23. I had people texting me, why is he number 23? Like, why isn't he better than that? He is better than that. It's just the ranking, and he doesn't play that many tournaments. But Nick Kyrgios comes and plays some of the best tennis I've ever seen him play, and he beats Daniil Medvedev in four sets in the fourth round to make it to the quarterfinals. He is now at the top spot of the quarterfinals, and he will go on to play... Karen Hachinov. Now Hachinov beat Pablo Carina Busta. Pablo Carina Busta, I thought had a great tournament. Uh he played some really good matches, some really sound matches I thought. He you know, he beats Damon Nuer in four sets, which I thought was impressive in just under 3 hours. And then he goes on to beat ha- or lose to Hachinov, but he loses in five sets. And that was a really good match. Hachinov beat Jack Draper. Draper's also had a really really good tournament. And for Khachanov to beat him in straight sets and go on to beat Karina Busta, Khachanov has a ton, a ton of momentum moving into the quarterfinals. Matteo Berrettini, same thing, playing great tennis. He beats Andy Murray. He goes on to play, play Davidovich Falkina and beats him in five sets to go on to play Casper Rude in a quarterfinal match. Rude playing really good tennis. He beats Tommy Paul in five sets to get into a round four match against Moutet and he beats Mute in four sets, and now it's Berrettini and Rude and Kyrgios and Herkach that are really ramping up the top four spots in the top side of the bracket in the quarterfinals. Who do I think comes out of this? I think Kyrgios continues his good run. I think he makes it to the semis. Kyrgios has a pretty good path now, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Nick Kyrgios can do. I think he beats Hacenov, maybe three, four sets. Four sets is probably comfortable, and the way Berrettini's playing, he's kind of off and on right now, but so is Casper Rude, so This will be very, very interesting to watch moving forward because if they both play their great tennis, this is a five-set match, I think. And if they both play bad tennis, this is also a five-set match. So we'll see who shows up in that match. Let's move on down to the bottom side of the bracket and the quarterfinals that are happening down on the bottom side. So there's this guy named Francis Tiafa, who I mentioned earlier, who is playing... Incredible tennis! Like he's playing so good right now. He's playing like he's the top American. He probably should be the top American after this tournament. But he beats some dogs on his way into the quarterfinals. He beats Diego Schwartzman and he beats him in straight sets. And then he goes on to beat Rafael Nadal, the biggest upset of the tournament. Francis Tiafoe, the 22 seed, beats the two seed Nadal in four sets. And I watched this match. It was the most flawless tennis from Tiafo. It looked almost effortless out there. And I relate it to when I watched Kyrgios, uh the night before the Tiafo nadal match and just how easy his backhand was ripping cross-court and just how easy some of the shots were coming to him. His serve was on point. Everything was working for Francis Tiafo in this match. And to take out Rafael Nadal, the first time Rafael Nadal has lost in a Grand Slam all year because he didn't technically lose in Wimbledon because of an injury so I mean what an incredible match for him to come out on a day session against Rafael Nadal who hasn't lost a Grand Slam match all year because at Wimbledon he went out with an injury he didn't lose he didn't even play he withdrew he retired so for the first person to beat Rafael Nadal in a Grand Slam match an incredible way to do it in Arthur Ashe Stadium on a day session to end the day session on Monday of the tournament, on Labor Day of the tournament, when really it's one of the most packed days of the tournament. I think it was hard, too, because the crowd should be behind Tiafo. But really, they're behind kind of both of them at that point because a lot of people want Rafa to win because Rafa's got fans everywhere. So I can't say enough about how big this win is for Francis Tiafo. He's made the fourth round before at the U.S. Open, but to make it into the quarterfinals and beat Rafael Nadal, who is playing some of the best tennis of his career late in his career and still winning Grand Slam. So... Hats off to Tiafo. It is a bummer to see Rafa go out so soon, not even making the quarterfinals, but it's been a long year for Rafa. And for him to even make it this far and even contend at this level for this long in this year through so many injuries... I mean, it just speaks to the man he is and the tennis player he is. And look for Rafa to come out strong in 2023. I keep forgetting it's already 2023. That's so soon. Um, but I, I have no doubt that he'll be back winning tournaments next year. Uh, he he just didn't play his best tennis on Monday. And, frankly, Francis Tiafo did play his best tennis. So, Tiafo moving forward, he's going to play Andre Rublev in the very bottom part of this bracket. Rublev having a couple dogfights to get into the quarterfinals. In the in the third round, he played Shapo, and he beat Shapo in five sets, an absolute marathon match between these two. And then in the fourth round, goes on to beat Cam Nori. So Rublev has had his fair share of battles already in the U.S. Open. Shapo, the five-setter, that goes over four hours. That was an incredible match. And then to rebound from that a couple days later and beat the seven-seed Cam Nori. Now, Nori didn't have his best stuff in this fourth round, but Rublev, still played great tennis. I mean, even when the number 7 seed doesn't have his best stuff, he still has some pretty good stuff. And so Rublev beats him six four six four six four three three in a row, and he'll go on to play Francis Tiafo. I'm really looking forward to seeing this quarterfinal. Frankly, one that wasn't really expected, to be honest. And now we go to our last quarterfinal, which is at the bottom of the bracket. And there were some thrilling matches to get to this point. Um, in in the round four, it was Yannick Sinner versus Isla Ivashka. And the other round four match was Marin Chilich versus Alcaraz. Now, Alcaraz to this point was having a great tournament. He beat Jensen Brooksby, which at the time Jensen Brooksby was playing really, really good tennis. But when you're the three seed, you don't necessarily play the hardest players. So he had a not an easy route to round four, but he didn't play some major names like some of the other players did in this section of the tournament. Now, Marin Cilic on his way to round four. He had to beat Daniel Evans, which is probably his toughest opponent. Daniel Evans, the really good uh, player from Great Britain. Marin Cilic beats him in four sets, but it's a battle of four sets. Two tiebreakers. You win the last one 7-5. So Marin Cilic playing Alcaraz was already going to be a great match. Now, Marin Cilic is a 15 seed. Alcaraz is a 3 seed. But in the last couple tournaments, Marin Cilic has played really well. And for the last couple of years, really, he didn't win a title from 2018 until 2021 and then won a pair of titles last year. And now he's really playing really well again. Also, he's no stranger to winning big matches on Arthur Ashe Stadium. He won the U.S. Open back in 2014. So Marin Cilic plays big in big moments, and that's exactly what he did in round four against Carlos Alcaraz. This one was a battle. These four These two players went into five sets, and it was kind of a heavyweight match, to be honest. Really back and forth, and at the end, it was Carlos Alcaraz that finally takes the cake, and he makes it into the men's quarterfinals to play Yannick Sinner. Carlos Alcaraz will play Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner goes on to beat Ivashko. Ivashko had a good run all the way to round four. I think surprised some people. He beat Hubie Hercoc on his way there. Uh, Yannick Sinner had to win some incredible matches to get to this point as well. Yannick Sinner had kind of a battle with Jensen Brooksby at one point. Then he goes on to beat Nakashima. I feel like he's had kind of a quiet route into this men's quarterfinal because of all the names and all the matches that were going on around him. But Yannick Sinner, the youngster, is going to play Carlos Alcaraz. And with the field that we have in the quarterfinals right now at the U.S. Open, there will be crowned a brand new Grand Slam champion at the end of this tournament. Right now at the very top, Nick Kyrgios will play Karen Hachinov. Matteo Berrettini will play Casper Rude. Yannick Sinner will play Carlos Alcaraz. And Andre Rublev will play Francis Tiafoe. Is this the end of an era? That's what people are talking about. That's what people are thinking because it's someone outside the big three and really outside some of the other players that are in all of these quarterfinals. It's a very young quarterfinals. You talk about you know Nick Kyrgios is like 27, 28 years old. He's like one of the oldest guys in there playing in this quarterfinal. Yannick Sinner is young. Carlos Alcaraz is young. Ruplev's not that old. Tiafo's not that old. You know, Rude and Berrettini aren't that old. So, there's a lot of new guys in it, and I think this is what people have been waiting to see moving forward. Now, they're finally kind of kicking out the big three. Novak Djokovic obviously didn't play in this tournament, so who knows what would have happened if he was in this tournament. I mean, he would I think he would definitely be in the quarterfinals here. But, for these players, and not to get to this point by just you know walkovers or get to this point because someone didn't play, whatever... They had to beat Daniil Medvedev. They had to get Sitsi Poss out of the tournament. They had to, you know, someone had to beat Sitsi Poss. They had to beat Rafael Nadal. I mean, there were some guys that had to big win some big matches to get to this point. But there will be a new Grand Slam champion on the men's side. All right, last thing here before I let you go. The, sorry, this is a longer podcast, but so many good things happened in the first week of the U.S. Open. With the loss, new Medvedev will lose his world rank number one at the end of this tournament. It will either go to Rafael Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz, or Casper Ruud. I believe I read somewhere that if if Carlos Alcaraz or Ruud make it to the final, all they have to do is make it to the final. They'll be world number one. Now, if they both make it to the final, obviously winner the winner of those two Gets the world number one rank. Don't quote me on that, but I'll update you next week on exactly what goes on. But it's going to be one of those three. Is the world number one? Is the new world number one? Man, could you imagine if Casper Root is world number one? That'd be insane. Um, That'd be awesome. So, oh, man. All right. Week one is over. The quarterfinals are here. I'm really excited about it. My two picks to win it are still in it. Coco Gauff on the women's side and Carlos Alcaraz. On the men's side, it's great to see three Americans left. Coco, Jessica Pagula, and Francis Tiafoe. So I'm really, looking to, uh, I'm really looking forward to tennis here in this next week. You can watch. It's easy. It's always on ESPN. No problem watching. You should have no problem watching tennis for the next week or so. Definitely, I'm going to be watching tennis. There's a lot of good matches left to come. And there's going to be a brand new winner on the men's side, which literally seems like never happens because... Nadal won two already this year, and Djokovic won the other one. So an exciting time in tennis, an exciting time in New York, and I would expect no one else to put on a show than the people left in this tournament. Very entertaining players left in this tournament. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you for listening. Take care of yourselves, and uh, I'll see you next week.